0: Welcome to the Dig Endurance Podcast, where we are all about digging deep and discovering the power
1: of emotional resilience. I'm Aaron, and I'm joined by my brother, Sean. As endurance athletes and business owners, we have learned a thing or two about facing and overcoming adversity. We are here to share inspiring stories from our guests that will help you to find that inner strength when you feel like you are running on empty. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Welcome back another Dig Endurance podcast with Aaron and I. We've got Spencer Irwin today. Spencer, what's up, man? Hey, up, Spencer? Spencer. how are you doing? Good. All right. So we brought Spencer on today to talk mental health, to talk addiction. Um, Spencer's from Fresno. You born and raised here, Spencer? Yes, yeah. Okay. Give us a little bit of background about your, your younger life.
2: Uh, Well, when I was young, I think the uh, big thing I was doing was skateboarding, that kind of paved the way to everything else and kind of how i grew up that's all you did huh? yeah um i was at kaiser skate park probably every day <laughs> still there that's yeah. the one just yeah, yeah. Over by the hospital yeah which oh, okay. is like the shittiest skate park but it was like <laughs> it was home <laughs>
0: so yeah that's
2: cool
1: there's a um there's a skate park where i used to live over by copper hills do you ever go there which it's a nice it? one. It's like oh a, it's, Beamer.
2: yeah, It's yes. Terribly made. <laughs> oh, like is it? Part. It looks nice. I just see the little kids there. <laughs> I'm like, all it's a nice day. one. He's like, it's a terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they made it to so, like all like the ledges and stuff are downhill, mm-hmm. or you can either hit them uphill or down. I don't know. My friend, my friend Brett likes it, but I'm cool. Not a huge fan.
1: So you, so elementary, intermediate, high school. You're all here in Fresno. Yeah. All right. You've got. So when did uh, you start
2: skating? Like how young? Probably five or six. Oh, wow, really, I think yeah. I was on a board. Yeah, my oh. dad skated when he was younger a little bit. So, and so I, did ours. None of us skated, but my yeah. dad did. We've Hardcore. got like
0: old, we've got like old school photos of him like in empty pools, yeah. and stuff yeah. hanging
1: up over the ledge and stuff. Yeah. He's an animal. None of us did that. Yeah, though. no, I wanted no. nothing to do with no. going sideways. Is not my
2: jam. I think you're the same way. You ski. Yeah, I ski. At a yeah, board. we
1: we go forward. We don't want to be uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I tried snowboarding. It was fun, but. I don't, I don't like the cold. I don't like to be cold. Okay. So so anything else notable that you want to share about when you were younger? Um, Honestly, no. I mean, that was really the only thing that was, like, important to me. Like, okay. I had other, like, side hobbies. Like, you know, I played the drums. I played baseball growing up. Like, my parents had me in sports track, but skateboarding really just kind of stuck out. I loved the culture. I loved, you know, everything about it. I still do. Like, it's amazing. But Okay. So, so then you graduate high school, then what, what does life look like? Uh, I graduated high school and I kind of went towards working construction because I grew up in a family who worked as masons. So concrete was like kind of my, you know, go to, Mm -hmm. even as a kid, I worked with my grandpa moving bricks and stuff. And, you know, so I kind of did that. I worked odd jobs, but really it was just partying. Like enough money to afford to live and party. That okay. was yeah, all that I needed at the time. And so.
1: what did partying look like for you at, at this point? Partying
2: started, I mean, I started how everybody else started smoking weed, drinking in high school, doing drugs. I think I tried, by the time I graduated high school, I had done pretty much every drug except for, I think, meth and heroin. But, um... Yeah, so, you know, started off how everybody else kind of starts off, but, you know, I guess, like, people say, like, the easiest group to fall into is, like, the stoners because (laughs) we had, like, the skaters and the stoners, and they kind of just clashed. So that was, like, the group that I, you know, clicked with. But, you know, I noticed, like, the only thing I would look forward to was, like, when I would go out with my friends and drink on the weekends, we'd like go to an, a school or something like an elementary school and just drink and do whatever, smoke weed and, you know, and then it got to a point probably when I was around like 20 or 21 where I was like, my friends are not taking this to this extreme. <laughs> like, you know, like just kind of when it got bad. mm mm-hmm. What do you mean by it got bad? Like, what what actually was happening? Like, I found my mental health start to decline a lot. Like, I, became, like I got a lot of anxiety, and everything that I was thinking about throughout the day was, like, getting to that next drink. And, you know, my drug of choice is alcohol. So, um, you know, I found myself, I think by the time I was, like, 19 or 20... Yeah, 19 or 20, I was drinking every day. Um, In the mornings, at night, every day. All day, every day. Yeah. And, you know, I'd go to school, I'd, you know, drink. But then I found myself, and I didn't understand what withdrawals were or anything, Mm. but I would find myself shaking all the time and sweating, and I'd be anxious, like, you know, I, and but I just kept doing it and doing it. A couple extra heartbeats here and there. Yeah. But my friend, like, I would get comments on it all the time. I'd pick something up and my hand would be shaking. They're like, dude, why are you shaking so much? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> But, yeah. So you didn't even, so, so this was happening, but there was no form of
1: treatment or awareness at this point. You're just kind of like cruising through life. Yeah, because it wasn't. Still
2: young. It wasn't majorly affecting, like, my life as it was. Like, you know, which was work, party, go to sleep
1: no school at the time though right no
2: okay. i i tried like i think i took one cl- one or two classes when i was 19 and i dropped out okay which is super affecting me in my schooling right now because that st- i'm not able to get financial aid mm. uh, this semester because of that but yeah school okay. was not really important
1: so so we continue down this path right so there's is it pretty heavy drinking at, i mean day Day and night, is it heavy or is it just consistent? What is it? What does it's, that look
2: like exactly? It was heavy. It okay. was always heavy, you know. Um, <clears throat> to every paycheck went to that and living. Yeah, that, was it, like that said. and then there was, of course, you know, the drugs on the side. But I think primarily just kind of the alcohol. And I mean, there's things like weed and cocaine, which are constantly always right, there. Right, right. But um, yeah, it was just – it was – so heavy and you know it was mainly like 40s and just bottles of whiskey like jameson and oe were, were like <laughs> my uh like my go-tos but um
1: so yeah. how long
2: did that last what, what what did that take you to that what was like took your first me, speed bump uh when i i got my i'm trying to think if i got my so, I got my first DUI when I was 23 or 24. How old are you right now? 29. 29, okay. Yeah, so and I got my first, my first DUI, and I had always had in the back of my head, like, you know, I'm going to stop this eventually, just not right now. So, it got to the I forget what happened, but I needed to go to rehab for, you know, I think for the DUI or whatever. Um, or it could have been like. I don't remember what forced me to go to my sure. first rehab, but it was Action Family in Bakersfield. Oh, yeah.
1: I've gone there. Yeah. I'm good friends with the owner.
2: Yeah, it was oh, actually, yeah. I had a lot of fun. I was there for, I think, 14 days. And then uh, I was getting on the bus to actually go to Oakland to live with my friend. Like, that was my plan after rehab to go live with my friend two parties just as much as I do. And I think, I think it was like a, 10 minute drive from the rehab to the bus station. And they took me there and I knew I had like 10 or 15 extra minutes. So there's a liquor store right next to the, the bus station. So what I walked in there, like, you know, 20 minutes after leaving rehab, like, Mm. What what move did you to go into rehab the first
0: time? Was that was that was it you that arrived at that? Was it your parents? That kind no, of that? it like was what?
2: it was definitely the people around me. I think it, I think the courts actually court order me. yeah <clears throat>
0: because of the DUI yeah. So would you say you're in the mindset of that part yet, where you're like on board with that, or it was like I'm unwillingly going to this? I don't I, want to be here.
2: Definitely unwilling. Yeah. Like yeah. I was not gonna stop doing what I was doing. Mm. You know was um, like, I'm going to check the box.
0: Yeah. To get out of I'm, here.
2: I'm going to make these people happy. And then maybe when I get out, I can manage it a little better. or Just stop getting in trouble. Yeah. And, you know, the DUI wasn't my first run-in with the police. And it definitely wasn't the last. But, you know, it was the first major event. And I think it was... I, No, because I ended up going to jail over that, too. So maybe the rehab was my parents pushing me because I think I had to move back into my parents. Sometimes it can
1: alleviate fines and, you know, certain penalties in the courts, too. How, yeah, how was it
0: with your family through this time? I mean, like, were you living at home up until the time that, you know, you had the DUI? You mean throughout your your high school years, you said you were kind of, you know, dabbling in drugs and whatnot, like... um, are people starting to kind of wise up to or, or notice how it was impacting you or affecting you or?
2: Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, I would get comments from my friends like, dude, why do you drink so much? And these are people who like, their thing is they want to party on the weekends. Like, you know, they're the one getting the drug drugs, the alcohol on the weekends with me. And they're looking at me and they're like, dude, this is, this is too much. Like, You know, and then when I came back from rehab, I completely saw the difference in my friend group. Like, you know, they almost didn't want to hang out with me. And then when I felt like they would hang out with me, they're like skeptical. Hmm. Like, I don't know if that was because I went to rehab and right out just went back to doing what I was doing. Sure. But, you know, that's when my friend's group kind of started to separate. So when
1: you showed up to this friend group the first time after you had left rehab, used again, did they know that you had gotten right out, used again, and then gone into that social group again?
2: Yeah, yeah. Because um, it was more like, man, I got to go to this rehab place because I got this. But, you know, I i didn't tell them I was going in to get better. Like,
0: you know. So you checked out of that first rehab, sounds like? No real change. You're like, yeah, okay, did that. I can manage this better. It and actually got worse after I, the rehab. I was, I was gonna ask where'd we go from there. Yeah, yeah. It did got, you deal
1: with Curtis at Action? Was it Curtis? I the black guy, the hair.
2: Maybe super I nice
1: guy, like one of the nicest guys ever.
2: Honestly, to think about it, I remember a lot, but I do not remember the staff there. Gotcha. Like, um, but yeah, after rehab, I think was the decline. Like rehab was probably the tip of the peak, and after that everything declined. Like okay,
1: so, a lot. All right, so let's hear more. So, so uh, the friends, you get out. What, what does it look like after that? What, what, what are the next speed bumps that are in um, your way?
2: Well, I got out of rehab, and I had crashed my car when I got my DUI. I completely totaled my car. So actually, that's a funny story that I'll dive into real okay. quick. Okay, yeah, I, let's hear it. Probably. So probably, I was probably, probably funny now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I've I've gotten two DUIs, and both of my DUIs was because I was texting mm-hmm. both times, um, and both times it was a girl I was texting. Uh, um, so girls will do that. Yeah. It's The girls' like, fault then. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, I was heading home at like three o'clock in the morning, and it, like I was completely hammered, and I was texting. There's nobody on the road, and I decided to. Like, hit a red light right as it turned, and a car T-boned me, like, Mm. right as it happened. And actually, I left the scene of the accident because (sighs) I just panicked and I took off. But I left my bumper and license plate behind. And then I guess there's cameras throughout Clovis. So they oh, yeah. saw me. I got as far as Clovis and Alluvial Park. <laughs> Clovis is riddled with cameras. Yeah, I got to Clovis and Alluvial Park. Is it Clovis and Alluvial mm-hmm. Park? Yeah, I got to yeah. there. I parked. Where the 5Ks in... are. Yeah, I yeah. parked in the parking lot, grabbed my skateboard out of the trunk, and skated home. And by the time I got home, the second I walked in the door with the cops were already at my doorstep. Oh, that's because so...
1: you live. Like, literally down the street.
2: Yeah, the skate home, I think, was, like, probably 15 minutes, because I'm pretty sure I fell a few times. But, okay. yeah, the okay. cops were immediately there, and any story that I could concoct was completely Just blown no. because Hard of the cameras. No. Yeah, Okay. so, um, yeah, that was my first DUI. And, okay. anyways, after the rehab, I decided to go to Hayward and go live with my friend who lived with his aunt and his his aunt and like a couple family members and They did not okay me living with them before I went over there My friend had just told me yeah, come down. It'll be cool. You can stay with us so and I had money from my total car that got fixed and sold I think I got like $3,000 out of it, Mm -hmm. so I wasn't working but I had money And I went to Hayward, and his family did not okay it, and probably the second day they're like, yeah, you guys can't stay here. So they kicked him out, and me, so we ended up, you know, that happening, and I can't really remember what happened, but I ended up going back to Action Family a few months later, um, and stay a little longer, and then I went into sober living this time afterwards. Here or there? There. Okay. Um, I forget what the place was called. Okay. But um, it was like a little turn off, and it was almost like this little compound. Thing. Okay. Um, like a lot of them, like almost like an apartment complex. Yeah. and- um, Exactly um, what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, this is actually. Um, the majority of it is from action. After I had met mm-hmm. McKay, your brother. Oh, yes. And yes. I went with his. Um, one of his ex girlfriends was there, mm-hmm. and we were friends. Oh, I forgot her name, but I I remember her. I mean, know. I'm not allowed to say it. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, Morgan. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I stayed, and we became friends when we were there. And but I was still drinking there, and my roommate when I was there actually ended up dying in his sleep. Yeah,
1: just naturally.
2: Yeah, and we had found him in the morning. Well, no, not naturally. I think he had sleep apnea, and something happened with that. So he ended up passing away in his sleep, and we found him, and it was this crazy event with the uh, like everybody. There was the coroners there, so I think that definitely had an impact. I
1: feel like I actually remember this happening. Yeah, his name was Robert. Yeah, I feel like I have other friends that
0: were. So was that like the first like? I mean. That's pretty traumatic. I mean, waking yeah. up to a, a friend, and I mean, is that what was the immediate impact of that on you? I mean, I what, mean,
2: I'd never really like seen a dead body before, so that was, and let alone one, a person that I was close with. Like he wasn't just someone that I lived in the house with. Like he was my friend. We went and did stuff. He was my main friend in there. So it did impact me quite a bit. Mm-hmm. With uh, there was a little trauma behind that. Yeah, almost. Um, but then again it's just something else that has fed my addiction cuz you know my best friend passed away when i was 9 years old so there's another death that could be contributed but then again there's probably no real point and i don't know mm. but um, so where was i at the decline um friend just passed away yeah after that i drank heavy in bakersfield and i ended up moving back into fresno with the same friend See, i lived that's a double whammy with
0: you're yeah. you're drinking and you're in Bakersfield
2: yeah. So is that worse than it Fresno? was pretty bad. Is Bakersfield worse than Fresno? I think it yeah. is. And I think Bakersfield was like the first time that I started doing like meth on occasion too. Yeah, there's a little bit was... of meth
1: in Bakersfield
2: too, huh? Yeah, there's a little yep. bit of meth there. Yeah. So I'm was... just throwing shade on Bakersfield. I'm just being a smile. Yeah. No, anyway. I I mean I didn't like living there, but <laughs> so where'd Never you go from back. where'd you go from there? I moved back to Fresno and I moved in with the same friend that um, I had moved in with at Hayward. Okay. And this time he was probably he was heavily Drinking too. Where where are
0: your, like, at this point? Where is your family at with you? Like, are they just kind of like, you know, what he's gonna do? What he's gonna do? I mean, like, what's?
2: Yeah, I mean, they were there, but I kind of was not like having them in the picture. Like, I'm telling, I'm talking to them every once in a while to let them know I was okay. But when I moved into the house after. Uh, coming back from Bakersfield, I moved into the apartment with him. And it was a sad apartment. It was the worst apartment that I had ever lived in. He had his bed. It was a one-bedroom. And then I had a mattress on the floor. Mm. And then we had, like, a TV in the front. But basically, I would just, you know, stay home and drink and do other stuff. And um, that's when my drinking got so heavy that uh, I had medical issues because of it. I, it, I ended up getting pancreatitis after being... Oh, yeah. a- Yep. Living there for, I think, three months. Okay. And I was drinking, like, I want to say close to a handle of liquor a day. Like, okay. Yeah, We're it was there. bad. Like, I, w- I couldn't even function. Like, I would walk to the gas station across the street and I'd be dripping with sweat. That was and I'd a be challenging its own, and huh? yeah. It was horrible. And then I'd have other friends. I actually met up with a couple other friends, like, for the first time after like living there for a month and a half, mm-hmm. like some of my older friends mm-hmm. and they, um they could tell something was wrong. Like I was physically sick um, until I had like a very large quantity of alcohol in me. Yep. Um, so yeah. And then I ended up doing seven months in the hospital. I mean, not seven months, uh, seven days. I was like, what? No, seven days in the hospital. Wow. And that was a bitch. The hospital was so boring. I remember just it's laying the there. the worst. And I was trying to like, I remember I was laying there for like. Basically like detoxing you or. Yeah. yeah. And I think by like the fourth or fifth day, I was trying to scheme on how I could get out to smoke mm. a cigarette. <laughs> like. Yeah. I was trying to find, I would always get caught on my way trying to get out.
1: But. Oh, so they wouldn't even let you go out? Or were they just saying no. you didn't want you to smoke a cigarette?
2: They didn't want me to, like, get out of bed and move around. Uh, like, okay. That was the whole thing. Okay. And I was, like, attached to IVs. So I was, like, I would, like, plot. Like, I would go to, like, the bathroom down the hall and I would look and I would see if I could see, like, the closest exit and stuff. Like, that's the... Fiend in it doesn't matter. if It's like it's, a movie when the guy's trying to cut out of the hospital. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, It doesn't matter if it's you know caffeine, nicotine, whatever. I I want it. I'm gonna go get it. But <laughs> it's, it still seems kind of like you're. I don't know.
0: You're kind of wandering through at that point. Like what? So we're, we're, from there, like where? Where is the point where you feel like I don't know? There was a little bit of a kick. Like sounds like maybe it happened a little bit when your friend died, but maybe not not enough to turn it around or start turning it
2: around where where did it go from the hospital um you know after the hospital I actually got sober for like my first like decent chunk of time Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't remember how long it was just on your own but no I ended up going into cap when cap was the first cap not Mm -hmm. the cap now but Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah so I ended up going into cap there was this guy who I went out of the hospital and I went and stayed with him until I could get into cap and I cannot remember this dude's name, but <laughs> That's yeah, okay. um, but he was like he saved like he saved my life, he gave me a bed, like everything, until I could get into cap and you know get sobered up and um so that was the first time where I had an actual chunk of sobriety that led to an actual relapse. I don't think there was ever like a relapse point because I think I was always just. I think mm-hmm. this right. was the point where I was, like, actually, like, I'm fucking myself up. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Like, I need to, you know. Put so the... you had the
1: self-realization of, I need to do something about this, and it was on your own. It wasn't influenced by someone else.
2: No, I, like, I had to physically damage my body. Like, something major had to happen to me hmm. for something to want to change. I mean, it didn't change immediately, but it was the first step in realizing something needs to be different. Okay. So we go to Cap. Did go you stay cap. there after the – after the? did you detox? I didn't go to Cap detox, oh. actually. I, Lucky I you. I had, I had been in the hospital, and then I had stayed with this dude, so I think I was like two weeks sober oh. by the time I went into Cap. So you were waiting to get into their
1: actual program? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool.
2: Yeah, and I remember thinking like – because I had done I think like five or six uh, residential programs at this point. Okay. Uh, there was like Herndon Recovery I went to uh, quite a few times, but Good old those were Doctor Atwal. Yeah, that was because I would I kept getting caught with, you know, and was weed one time. I like I kept getting these minor drug charges, which I would just go to like these rehabs and they'd mm-hmm. go away. And also like you know I was at that point when I was like I wasn't working, my money had kind of ran out, so I was kind of like shit. I'm going into rehab as a kind of as a place to stay at this mm-hmm. point. Okay. Um,
0: so you weren't gung-ho so, about so your recovery. So, yeah, so you the, just, re- the rehab almost became like a safety net in a way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah.
2: But I did have that first realization that something does need to change. I just, I didn't know how to do it. And How old are you at that time? 25, I want to say. And then I went and I actually did a rehab in Texas um, cool. for a little while. Okay. Uh, that didn't do anything. The same situation dropped me at the train station. I met up with this dude who was like this, man, I wish I knew this dude's name because he was like this upcoming rapper uh, and he was going from Texas to LA to go like produce some, like, okay. an album or something. And he had like this backpack that was a pharmacy and I had a backpack that was basically i so in texas like you can't buy liquor from anywhere you have to go to an actual liquor store Mm -hmm. yeah so i was getting on the train so i got i don't know to get me through a 48 hour train ride i think i got like seven or eight pints like it was a lot it was way more than i actually needed um but i ended up meeting up with this dude and we just got completely fucked up the whole train ride back. And
1: <laughs> it right. was
2: it was wild. Okay. Like we broke down in New Mexico and it was just The oh, train did? Yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so I don't remember much about that train ride besides sleeping in other people's seats and them waking me that up. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. But Anyways, I'm trying to. So
1: where did you get? Where did you go?
0: Did you make? Yeah, did you come back to California? Yeah, I actually came back. You took the train from Texas to California. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And who's picking you up? Texas to LA. Oh, LA. Yeah,
0: Texas to LA. How long um, did that take? Like a day and a half.
2: It was like 48 hours, I think. Yeah, it was a long train ride, and (laughs) the Wi-Fi didn't work half the time, so that was super frustrating. Hmm. I had DVDs, luckily. But so we were like, we would watch DVDs the whole time. Yeah. I mean, mm. um, but yeah, so I ended up coming back to Fresno and then, I don't know, I got clean again and then I ended up working for this construction company um, and the owner or the foreman was a complete asshole. Like this dude called it, like he called me fuck face, I think on my first day. <laughs> like No, fuck face too, because my other... Co worker was the first fuck for me. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> I was, and I remember that first day, and I was like, this is this dude's gonna be this is gonna be a challenge, but he paid me really well, so okay, you know. Um, so, F so, he, number so two he has, has the right to say FA, <laughs> okay. okay, so yeah, I, uh, yeah, I did that, and I actually got clean for a while. There's this guy, Tim, he had just gotten out of uh. Uh, he got out of prison after doing, I think it was like eight years or something. And he was like what I wanted to like model my recovery after because he like had gotten out of prison. He had gone through cap. He had went to sober living. He got his truck driver's license. Um, and we moved out together and we got an apartment together and I think I lasted like a month or two. And then I started, Drinking and using again because we were working seven days a week, 12 hour days. So, I when that ended up stopping, like because we had this apartment job, it was like this whole apartment complex that we were remodeling. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that job ended, work kind of just trickled down. I think he got his third strike, the foreman, and so he got put away. Mm-hmm. And so no more job and i went just back to what i was doing Mm. so yeah it's kind of and that's kind of like the basis but i mean it got worse like then i started to experience like homelessness and stuff like that which was crazy to me because at what point did your parents say you're not coming home anymore where did where did that kick in i had to have been like Twenty-two or twenty-three. So it's been a while. it had yeah. been a few years at that point. Since yeah. They said you're not coming home. That's no option. Yeah. Yeah. They like let me stay the night every once in a while, but yeah. Which honestly, like, was they probably should have actually done it earlier. Because I mean, I had moved out at eighteen, mm-hmm. but I had ended up coming back. But I mean,
1: those are healthy boundaries for good-looking yeah. parents, which. I can confirm. Uh, yeah, they, and they are the most loving parents.
2: Yeah, and honestly <laughs> like I don't come from a family of addiction. Like I have family members that have like struggled with substance abuse, yeah, but yeah. like my parents aren't alcoholics. Like I mm-hmm. didn't come from a bad family or you know, I was pretty privileged growing up. So they didn't really know how to handle addiction. So it was okay. kind of yeah. a learning experience for them as well but which it is for everyone. You know, I mean, exactly. Yeah. It's the only, I mean, only way to do it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean the way that they went about everything was good. It was loving, it was caring and um that's not surprising to me. Yeah. So they were a big part of still are a big part of my recovery. Yeah. Um so what was I telling you? Like, well, so you you uh-huh.
0: you came you came back. I had interjected because I was asking about when like, what? what point your parents had said, hey, no more. You said about yeah. 22. So it sounds like it's been a few years since they would kind of reached that decision. Yeah. You're back at Fresno. You lost the job. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy got his third strike. And you said you, you're kind of swirling using again. Yeah. Um, and so where does it go from
2: there? Then it got really, really bad, um, like – then I started blacking out a lot.
0: And the, oh, sorry. You mentioned you, you were homeless at this time, too. That was starting to get Off down. and on. Yeah. I
2: would go into like sober livings. I would start working for a while, and I would get my shit together, and then I would have to tear it all down and start over mm-hmm. again. And that's how it was four years. From then until now, it, it's just been tearing it down, building up. Now is the first actual time that I actually had— everything to get like i've been in school where do you go to had school a job i'm at fresno city okay fresno city yeah how long you been there just my first semester this is your first so semester? i started in august cool. yeah any school before this or are you just getting going no but i mean i i think i mentioned before i took a couple classes at 18 19 right okay, I don't, okay. yeah okay. but yeah this is my first time actually back in school and okay. it's definitely kind of a culture shock sure like <laughs> i'm not used to using my brain for like extended periods yep, of time yeah yep so so back in school and yeah and working yeah working i mean my job i'm working a minimum wage job at a pizza place Nothing but it's it's, at all. it's something you know and you know i'm due to get my uh, an apartment with this program that i've been working i'm due to get that in the next month or two so you know everything's falling into line it, Right now it's pretty much the point of I just, I can't fail, I can't um, have a relapse because I know when I relapse I will tear everything down. Mm And honestly, to this point, it's more than halfway through the semester. I finished one class, which was half a semester long, and I actually got an A in that one. That's a big step. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's That's got to feel huge. good. Huge. So right now, it's just heavy maintenance. Like, I, I just started with therapy. Um, I've been doing that for of, the past, uh, you know, Like one-on-one counseling? Months. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, and actually, he left the company he was working My therapist left the company he was working with, so I went a couple of weeks with no therapy but the the place that I wanted wanted me to start with another therapy and stay with them but I went with the same dude because he's awesome good choice he's a, yeah he's awesome he's kind of like doesn't take any bullshit like he's he'll call me on my shit but also give me tools mm-hmm. to you know on things that I could do and he's told me things like I I thought when I went to therapy Man, I've heard it all. Like, there's nothing you can tell me that'll, like, make an impact. Like, I've heard so much shit about my addiction and the depression, the anxiety, whatever. I've heard so much advice. Like, And then I went to see him, and I'm like, shit, this dude's smart. He knows what he's talking about. So, yeah, that's definitely... Those are keepers. Yeah,
0: it's good. I mean, sometimes, I mean... We, we have, we hear it often and see it often where sometimes you do just need to click with the right therapist. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, there's trained techniques and that works for obviously many. Sometimes for some people it's just having the right connection and mm-hmm. hearing, yeah, the right ex- agree. hearing the right experiences from yep. that person. And they just, you know, they connect in a way and can, and can like help you uh, in a way that just frankly, no one else could, even if, even if they are using the same supposed, you know, mental health yeah. uh, techniques that would, you know. Uh, be in a therapy session kind of a thing. So, um, I mean, even when, we, we see that from time to time. Yeah.
1: I, I was going to piggyback on that. When we have kids that come into our IOP program, if they already have a therapist and they have a really good relationship, I mean, we, we heavily suggest keep them. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing more important than that rapport relationship that's been built. Like Aaron was saying.
2: Absolutely. And I hear that all the time. Like you have to find a good therapist. Like you can't just find any therapist who, you know, gives you advice. Like you actually have to have a camaraderie with them. Well, It's got to be safe. It's not just like camaraderie. And and
0: the other thing that works well with mean, we work with a lot of people, um, you know, going through addiction struggles and whatnot. Is it a, when you're in one-on-one counseling, it provides a neutral accountability system. It's not your parents. You know, it's not someone, you know, that just wants to sit there and tell you what you want to hear or anything like that. Like when you have a good, a therapist, in addition to like offering you, you know, good advice and, and techniques and feedback, they also help you to be accountable in a neutral way, you know, Mm. and, um, that's very helpful in that regard too. Addiction's unique,
1: right? A good, a good example of working through something like addiction, because you have your sobriety time that you get off the front, right? Mm -hmm. We get our sobriety. You're kind of trying to find a path, a purpose, some, some sort of way to go, it's like going to the gym or maybe finding a trainer, maybe a dietitian. Let's say you're overweight by a good amount and you start to lose a lot of a lot of weight. You're not going to the gym yet. You're yeah. just you, you know, you've been guided in in order to lose this weight. Well, once you lose the weight, that's great. You do feel good, you have a path in front of you, but do you want to go to the gym now and build a little bit of muscle? Mm-hmm. You want to start running? Right? There's multiple aspects of it. So you can remove the addictive portion of your life get rid of those habits but what habits are you going to build what moving forward yeah what do you feel what's your muscle tone gonna to look like right how exactly. strong do you want to get so a therapist can help you get to that point where you kind of remove some of that stuff and then that relationship and rapport allows you to build strength moving forward that's the whole yeah. point of, of what we talk about is building resilience after you you know initially removed like the the major obstacles but so there's plenty more obstacles to come they're never gonna stop Ever. I mean, so
0: you're still I mean I mean you're kind of still in your cycle I mean yeah. you so I mean you're fresh where you're like you're at a point right now where it's kind of a critical point I mean you've gotten yourself in school passed the first class got an A in the first class back to work whatever work looks like the point is you're back to work so where do you see yourself going from here what's the goal what do you what are you working toward right now
2: right now my biggest goal is my housing because mm-hmm. um, I'm not happy with my housing situation right now Um but I am working with a program who does housing. Like I, you know, I mentioned before, I'm, the, I'm getting an apartment through them. Um, basically, it's 30% of all your income, and they let you 30% of your income for a year. Mm. And that's with financial aid, whatever, um, how much total you make. And honestly, that, it's just going to be a huge weight off my shoulders. I mean, there is the anxiety of, shit, I'm going to be living alone, you know. Mm. Um I haven't lived alone. I don't think I've ever lived by myself. It's always, you know, been with a girlfriend or a close friend or, you know. Can't that so. – I mean, that could swing both ways, right? Right. It could yeah. be It yep. could be
0: good that there's not somebody else there to maybe tempt you into old things. But at the same time, it also means, you know, sometimes they say, what is it, that time to yourself is like the um, – but the uh, uh, what's what's the word uh, the, the, the devil's, the devil's workshop? Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're when you got time to yourself or you're alone, whatever. Um, so I could see it going both ways. It's like sometimes it's good to have people for accountability. Sometimes they can tempt you. So sometimes being alone is a good thing. Sometimes being alone is a bad thing. So I could see it going both ways. But what
2: do you? Yeah. Wh- how do you feel about that? Um. Honestly, I think overall it's gonna be the best decision I can make because the stressors in my life right now. Mm-hmm. Um, has a big thing to do with my living environment, like, um, which you feel, it's just, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, just the people around me have not been the most positive. Mm. So if I can basically right now, I don't even have like a safe space. Like my safe space is Fresno city college, like the library, like, or use it the regular library. Um, Like, I want to be able to go home and have somewhere that I, you know, that I'm comfortable. I can go to when I'm stressed and just kind of relax. But then I also have to have the accountability of my close friends. And a big thing is if I begin isolating. Like, isolation is a big, big warning sign for me. Like, I may not think it's a big issue at the time. Like, oh, I'm just hanging out. and watching TV at home, like, more often than normal. But... You know, I find myself wanting to do more and more of that and not wanting to see people. So yeah. that's why in my recovery right now I'm getting out of my comfort zone. Like this is completely out of my comfort zone. Like, Good. Um you know, like I've I was like, I don't even know what to talk about. I don't like the sound of my own voice. Like <laughs> <laughs> I well,
0: I appreciate you being willing to come and talk about it while you're still going through it. Yeah. Um that does take um, a lot of fortitude to be able to be willing to do that, but at the same time, I mean, I think, however short it may be, I mean, I'm excited for you. I mean, yeah, I, think I, think you're a, I think you're in a good place. I mean, yeah. I, and and honestly, um, for the first time, as you were sharing your story, I mean, it kind of just seemed like a you know, almost like being stuck in a washer or a dryer or a hamster wheel. It's like, you're just kind of being tumbling in the same circle cycle and couldn't quite fit. But for the first time I'm hearing you like when you just now identified, like, Hey, this is a safe spot for me, the library. Yeah. Like it start. it sounds like, you know, you're starting to figure out kind of what are some triggers, what are some good places for you to be? You know, Fresno city is a good place for me to be. You've got your work lined up. You um, you know, I, I need good friends, but also at the same time, like if I'm with the wrong ones, that can be, that can be the bad. So it sounds like, you know, you have, obviously you've been through quite a few, uh, you know, rehabs and, and places. So I'm sure you've learned a thing or two there, yeah. but it sounds like in the course of your journey, you're also learning like, okay, good place for me to be, not good place for me to be. You're kind of mapping out your days or, you know, things where your, your time accordingly. And right. it sounds like you're starting to log some
2: wins. Yeah. My, my big thing is, uh like, I, I had to suggest because the, the program that I'm working with with the apartments, they have a lot of different ones. But there is one that's close to Parkway, and I don't want to. Parkway is <sighs> my, as well as many people from Fresno who yeah, are at it. It's like, Parkway, I was like, you mean all of Fresno? Is <laughs> where you're doing your worst. Yes. And honestly. Yep, good old oh, Parkway. You're good. And, uh,. Yeah, Parkway. I actually have an interesting Parkway story. Um, so, so please. when <laughs> we love well, par- I have we love Parkway stories. I have a lot of stories. I only have like forty or fifty of those. Yeah, so. I have a lot of I have a lot of Parkway stories. But I think the worst um, was I was staying at Parkway and I had gotten super drunk and I didn't have um, I didn't. I think I had ran out of whatever I was yeah, using. Yeah. So I had went to go and I don't know. Cause I black out a lot. This was at the point where I was blacking out a lot, but I ended up in this, like it's behind parkway. It's not even like a housing, but it's like just this abandoned building There's graffiti everywhere. Like it's a trap house. And I ended up going in and like trying to ask these dudes for, you know, what I wanted. And like, cause you know parkway you normally can find a bunch of people but i wasn't having any luck so i ended up and i long story short i ended up these dudes uh, you can it's not cool to walk into this, this was somebody else's space apparently yeah. i just thought who is like this Vandability, but it was definitely somebody's like what they were calling home right now and it didn't end bad i got beat up i got robbed um but the stupidest thing was I should have learned my lesson. They took my wallet. They took my phone. They took everything. And, you know, they kicked my ass, honestly, which it wasn't very hard. I was hammered. But, (laughs) um, the student, well, I went back to my hotel room and then the next day I was, I'm such a fiend that I needed to go get my wallet back. So I'm making the decision. I'm going to go get my wallet back from these guys. Like, the fuck so been there done that i I hear you let's hear it so me like i don't go in like a tough guy but i go back to the area and i walk in and like dudes are on me immediately and i was like hey i just came like could i get my wallet and like my atm car and these dudes ended up kicking my ass again worse this time we'll take
1: you to the atm and you can use it for us yeah
2: and they pistol whipped the shit out of me and you know, it was probably Better to be
1: pistol whip than um, anything else with a pistol. That's for
2: exactly. Sure. Well, it was a pretty terrifying experience, but the fact that like I, that's the dangerous places that we put ourselves in. Like I got the shit beaten out of me, and then I go back the next time because there's a chance that I could possibly make this work. Yeah, because I think it was like a Saturday or Sunday, and I couldn't go to the bank to get a new ATM card. So I was like, maybe, prob- the, yeah. yeah, maybe these guys who just It'll beat be me Ill. up the night before oh, might be cool today. It was just a misunderstanding the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, point is, is I, I know kind of, you know it doesn't really matter where you are, but definitely anywhere near Parkway is a big trigger for me. Sure. Just so anywhere. lesson learned,
1: stay away from Parkway if you're yeah. in Fresno. Okay.
2: So I specified with my counselors to send me to a different, um, a different, you know, area that they have a different housing area. Cause, yeah. cause my good friend lives in that one. So I was like, you know, I, I like that area to an extent. I love roading Park. Like it's, they got they only park with horseshoes. I mean, but yeah, it's a bad area for me. Yeah, I don't know what I was really
0: getting at. But. No, I just. Yeah, I think you were sharing a story that was yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. a I little mean like... <laughs> uh, reality check.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. awareness moving forward though is is very real. When you when you look back at that stuff, obviously you're not fully conscious of like the dangers of the situation versus like what you're thinking you need at the time. You're mm-hmm. you're not there. Period, yeah. Um, whether you think you are or not. But when you look back at that, it's, you know, it's good to know that when you're moving forward that maybe that'll help influence certain decisions you're you're making whether you're in a tough spot or not.
2: Well, yeah, I'm just Like there's certain things within my recovery that I try to keep to the back of my head. Like I like things that would be so, you know, disastrous that I don't know if I would be able to, my recovery would survive them, which that's the hardest part that I'm trying to get over in my head was I need to come to the, you know, conclusion that whatever happens, drinking and using is going to make it a hundred times worse. Mm -hmm. But then I'm, you know, I think, man, like this past year, there's been like certain things. It's just been like one thing, like one time, a pic, like I was doing so well for so long and it was a picture that set me off. Like, so what if like somebody important to me dies, you know? I mean, um, you know, I've dealt with death. Before, so I think my it's main thing a is... It's not if, it's when. So like, because... Mm. Well, I mean, I've had people die through addiction. Yeah, I've had multiple people who are very close to me, and one even recently, who have passed away from their addiction. So it gets me to the point of where I don't want to let people in. Mm. And that makes it hard to make friends in my sobriety right now. I mean, I have my sober friends, and I have my old friends that I'm trying to, you know... Get back in my life, but I there's also this point where I kind of iffy about letting and getting too close with anybody at this point because there's like those, Like I don't know if I can like my recovery will survive it again like yeah, and I which is real and there's like I've gotten advice from every Buddy through this, but I think that's the thing that I worry about the most right now.
1: Well, typically speaking, it does it does get more challenging as you get older, as you progress, right? Even even the longer bouts of sobriety time that you have, those those can turn into bigger challenges on the flip side. Mm -hmm. Because the there's no reward. You think there's a reward, but what you find on the other side is that it's exponentially more challenging because every time you put in work. And every time you look at it as a failure, that shame and guilt sets in. If you haven't put that work forth beforehand, the cycle keeps going like this: So it goes up and up and up and up, right? Well, I th- yeah, I think. I mean, I think my observation
0: is you're you're starting to notch the right wins. You're building momentum for yourself. You're resilient. Uh-huh. That's you're, for sure. You're You're resilient, but um, I think I think frankly, you're just kind of you've over the course of your years, you're realizing this is good for me and this is not. It, as i'm hearing you speak yeah. you know it's like this is the right this is the right stuff for me this is the right place for me to be these are the right things for me to be doing not necessarily you know we've had people on here and, and it's kind of like they have their come to Jesus with dad or mom or a certain one person um i mean it i'm not really getting that from you i'm kind of getting that you've kind of had these quiet realizations through your own failures as well as your own successes that it's like hey this is a good place for me to go, this is not a good place for it to go. This is these are good people for me to be around, these are not. Um, I think you're just kind of realizing like what is the pattern that works for you. Yeah. You're building some good, quiet momentum right now. and you're a little early in it, but you're starting to feel some, you know, some some of the success of that. Yeah. And it's just a kind of a snowball rolling right now. And yeah. you just gotta keep it going in the right direction.
2: Yeah, and I think another thing that kind of um, I've came to the realization that I need to keep out for a while is my relationships because mm-hmm. I, my past two relationships have ended disastrously, mm-hmm. like in two completely different ways. But you know, I don't, at the point of not wanting to let people in cause I know it'll affect me. I'm also worried about letting people in because I don't want to destroy them Sure. or, you know, so kind of there's that aspect of it. Or, I mean, it doesn't even have to be in relationships, people in general. Right. Like, I don't want to fuck up anybody else's, you know.
1: We call those circles direction. around here. Well, so. I, I we mean, value our circles. I, higher. I, I am not.
2: I, I don't, you know,
0: I have my own struggles. I don't share yours per se, but I will say I think everyone at some point needs to arrive uh, at filtering out their circle. Yeah. of People um, addict or not. Um, I, I know people who are not addicts who are terrible at filtering out their circle. They think they have to be friends with everybody and be good with everybody. And I, I disagree with that. I, I do think that it's wise and smart. It doesn't mean you have to be, you know, a jerk or mean to everybody, but it's, but it, but it, you can be selective in your, um, your friends and in your circle, um, and still be, you know, um, not only should not only can you be I believe you should be I believe everyone should be uh, again addict or not there's a right group of friends for all of us there's a there's a good group of friends or good group of people that helps to encourage our goals helps us become better people and if if those people if there's people that are not part of that core group or that don't belong you need to filter them out because all they're going to do is drag you down or or you know weigh you down or make you feel negative and you know, I I very much believe in that. Sean knows that. Yep. Sean feels the same. You
1: become very conscious of what you're expending your energy to. Yeah, like you, you. It's like nope. So I think, I think it's wise for you. I mm-hmm. think
0: it's wise for anyone. I agree. So I think you're, I think you're making. An, good choice there yeah
2: yeah and honestly i don't really like most people like okay kind of of most that's that's okay on that that, we can see eye to eye (laughs) (laughs) some people suck like i mean it's just kind of reality but you know and another big thing this is actually one thing that i remember from the notes i took before this Okay. but um i was trying to kind of find a way to bring it in but like so a big motivator big motivator for me right now is there's a picture and to this day I don't know who took it but um so there's this picture of me sitting outside I think it's like a Seven Eleven, on the ground it was winter so I got a big cuffy, puffy coat on and a white t-shirt mm-hmm. and my face is soaked in blood and my whole t-shirt is just soaked in blood like I look Fucked up my hair because I have had long hair for a long, mo- a long time. My hair's matted and just tangled. My face is bloody, and I just I'm sitting there. There's a can of beer next to me, and I'm out like completely out yeah. on the side of this store. And I don't know who took this picture, but somehow it got like to my mom, uh-huh. and like like it. I have it. Or I had—I don't have it on this phone, but I had it on my old phone. That's okay. And um, it's still around somewhere. I, I think my mom still has it. Okay. I don't know why. I mean, I guess she keeps it to show me as a reminder. Mm. But that picture, so what happened to create to where I got to that point was, you know, I was kind of on the streets, homeless, no money. I was stealing all my alcohol at that point. I had this... Jacket okay. that had two inside pockets and it was enough for two four two four locos and if I could do that like twice maybe three times I could get through the day, which that's excessive you know four, yes. four to six four locos a yes. day is a lot, but that was just and I was constantly sick I was not enjoying myself like it, it like it was horrible and anytime I drink I'd black out and the next time I'd come to like I would just do it again and like. Um. So I had gone to the ninety-nine cent store, and I had stolen two bottles of wine that day. Cause you know I was feeling fancy. Mm, I wanted to okay. Get wine drunk. So, anyways, I had drank in a I had chugged a pint before I had done that of liquor, and then, which I had also stolen. Which actually, I actually just walked into the store down there that I stole it from. Got it. And I actually gave that guy like four bucks and told him, hey, I stole this like a while ago. (laughs) Anyways, um, so I get the wine and I'm already hammered. And I guess I finished both the bottles and I black out. And I guess there's a loading dock and I completely face planted from the top of the loading dock to my face. And I broke my cheekbones and I broke my nose really, really badly. Um, like to where I can't really smell too well anymore. Um, and there's a few other broken, like my eye socket, I think was broken, and then I had like cuts, and I, you know, I fucked Kay. up. And so that's how I got to the point of where I was. And then I guess later, an ambulance after that picture was taken, obviously somebody said something because right. I was in rough shape. Right. But, uh, which kind of reminds me, who took the picture and didn't like... No, Anyways, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so an ambulance found me. I came to in the hospital. And this is probably one of the worst, like, things. As I came to in the hospital, I was covered in blood. I didn't know what happened to me. But I was covered in blood. My face hurt. You know, I had bandages or whatever. And I looked around and I couldn't find my jacket. The jacket, my alcohol-stealing jacket. So I was pissed. So I got out of my bed and I found the first nurse and I was like, find the, you know, whoever brought me in. Like, I want my jacket back because I want to get out of here. Right. I don't want to be at the hospital right now. Like, I got to go, you know, jack some more alcohol. Where's my jacket? And they're like, okay. it was covered in blood. We threw it away. And I did not care about how fucked up that I got. I was pissed that I didn't have mm. my jacket right. to steal yeah. booze anymore. Right. And, yeah, that was probably one of, like, the most, like, moments looking back. Like, that's crazy. Just like the
0: priorities. Yep.
2: To, like, a normal person. Like, that thought process is just, you know, ridiculous. Like, I didn't care what happened to me as long as I got my, you know, fix or my boost sure. for the day. So,
1: so in closing, Spencer, what what is it that you're going to do differently that you have not done before moving forward. You're in school, right? If you had like 30 seconds right now to just be like, all right, this is my number one goal moving forward. What are you going to stick to? What's, what's your commitment?
2: I need to stay close with family. Um, I need to stay close with the people who want the best for me, which I'm believing. I know who they are at this point. Yep. Um, you know, and I just, I need, the biggest thing is I need to keep my groups, and I need to keep my therapy I need reminders of why I'm not doing what I'm doing and also you know for example that picture like okay. I need constant reminders throughout the day why I'm choosing to be sober so keep it simple
1: yeah. we're gonna keep it simple and move forward yeah. what are the goals awesome I have nothing else to add no. this is fantastic no, that was good thanks right. for sharing That's your story great. today yeah, yeah. Appreciate I, mean, it. I hope thanks Spencer
2: know, Thank you. you no. Well. Thanks for having me. Thank you.